Good morning, Mosaic. We are glad that you're here. And uh, my name's Kurt. Um, thanks for being with us this morning. And uh, I don't know how. I don't know how. Well, I think I do know how. We had a, a gathering of people at our house last Friday night, and a big, huge bag of Cape Cod potato chips ended up at our house. And of course, they're the 40% reduced fat kind, you know what I mean, right? Um, but man, you know, when the, when the chaos and the disorder gets like ramped up, um, in my house, uh, that bag is a go-to, um, you know, and like you just, and it's one of those big bags, you know, and you're reaching your arm down in there and you just can't stop. You can't stop, especially cause it's the 40% reduced fat brand, you know, and you're just reaching in there. And like after, um, maybe sometimes like 10 minutes will go by and I'll be like, I'll pull my hand out and be like, oh, dear Lord. Like, because, you know, like, I thought this was 40% reduced fat, but there's like oils all over your hand, and there's like just the, the chip crumbs and everything else. And, um, yeah, life is funny like that, you know? Like, when the, when the chaos and the disorder and the stress hits, like, you, you just you need that go-to sometimes. Um, and then at the same time, like, I'm supposed to be this guy who's, like, so full of, like, God's faith and a man of prayer and um, yeah so sometimes life is all about potato chips and prayers and sometimes I find myself in one activity more than the other and uh, and then sometimes like the stress and disorder and the chaos seems to get stronger and it builds and it builds and the room gets darker you know what I'm saying right the room gets darker and you're like I don't know where this is leading and, and I'm not sure that I see a way out of this. In fact, as much as I hate to say it, I feel like I might have to just pull up a chair and sit in this dark room for a while. And that's when life gets really, really difficult. And that's when life gets really, really messy, right? You're covered in the potato chip crumbs. And you're trying to be a person of prayer, but sometimes then your prayers just feel like an extension of the anxieties that are at work inside you. And What's the point in praying if all my prayers are is just this nervous extension of everything that's going on in here? And we ask all these questions, and we're like, forget it. Throw our hands up in the air. God, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. What's going on? Um, so let me just be straight up honest with us where we're going to go this morning. Uh, we've been talking about being future people here, and we're going to begin to kind of bridge out of this future people series this morning, uh, but as we've, as we've talked about being future people, we've said God, God in Christ has started a brand new future. It, it's here, but it's not fully here yet, um, and so we engage in these practices of joining God in what he's doing in this new future, but um, disorder and chaos and stress is still really strong all around us, Right? We experience it in our own lives, or maybe we see it at work in, in, in the lives of people around us who are near to us, and, and we hurt for them. Maybe we see that disorder and that, that chaos and that darkness at work in our neighborhoods or just in other parts of the world, and we feel so, so helpless. What can we do about this? Um, good news and bad news. Um, let's start with the bad news. The bad news is this, the longer you walk with Jesus, or let's just say the longer you live, 
um, the darker things get sometimes, right? You, you find yourself experiencing new levels of despair. And that, that's a scary thought when you think about, wait a minute, so you're saying, Kurt, the longer I walk with Jesus, possibly the, the, the more dark things will get. Sometimes the, the despair will feel even stronger. Uh, yes, yes. Talk with anyone who has followed Jesus for a lengthy amount of time. Um, and they'll tell you, just keep on that path. Things will get, things will get dark. Uh, there was a Spanish mystic in the 16th century. His name was St. John of the Cross. And he wrote this incredible work call, called Dark Night of the Soul. And, and the whole premise of that work was to just kind of talk about how the longer you walk with Jesus, you will eventually find yourself in that place where it is a dark night of the soul. You are filled with questions. You are filled with hope, hopelessness, with, with despair, with sadness, with grief. And, and you won't feel like there's a way out. It's like you're stuck in a dark room, right? And maybe you've tried to pray in the midst of that, but your prayers just feel like kind of a nervous extension of what's going on inside of you. And then so you turn to, you know, the Cape Cod potato chips, whatever it is. Um, I used to live in a house with carpet, and my wife and I would we'd grab the vacuum cleaner and we'd make lines in the carpet. Because when the disorder and the chaos gets strong, it's like, I can at least control this, Right? I mean, we all, we all have our go-to things. We have our go-to things. Um, so we're moving into that, that time in the church calendar when we are going to begin to um, follow Jesus to the cross. And here's the beautiful thing. that Jesus never asks us to join him in something that he first hasn't gone to himself, Right? And, and so Jesus has gone to that ultimate place of, of just that dark room, that hopelessness, that despair, that grief. Um, and that's what we see Jesus at, at this time in the church calendar. The church begins to make this shift where we, we begin to move there together. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to do that. Um, and, and we're going to do that because, like I said, the reality is, is even though this new world has been started by God in Christ, it's here, but it's not fully here yet. And so we, we live in this place of tension. And, and sometimes just knowing this, sometimes just understanding this can help normalize situations that are going on around us, right? Maybe, maybe we can just catch ourselves in that moment and say, it's okay. Like, the, the world is not put back together yet. All things have not been renewed. Um, and so we can just say, it, it, it doesn't have to be right now. So I, I, can, I can be in this place of this dark room. And, and it doesn't mean that something's wrong with me. Um, it does mean that I'm human, right? And so even the sense of the, the, the time period of Lent, we, we kind of live with this sense of like, man, like, to be human is to be frail. To be human is to be needy, and that's okay. Like, to, to be human means that I, I have breaking points. But, but Jesus has fully gone there, and so I can, I can kind of rest assured that he's been there. Jesus, he modeled these, um, 
this rhythmic pattern where he would often withdraw to lonely places and he would pray. Uh, Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and he would pray. And so maybe there's something for us to learn there and and just to kind of sit with that this morning. We're going to look at um, kind of an ugly potato chip moment in Scripture where Jesus begins to turn toward the cross and um, the disciples are kind of frantic. They're kind of covered in the potato chip crumbs because they don't know what to do in the midst of a situation. Um, there's, there's a father um, of a child who doesn't know what to do in the midst of a situation. And then there's even Jesus himself who appears frustrated in the midst of this passage. And it's just kind of like everyone's just covered in like Cape Cod potato chip crumbs. And you're like, well, what's going on here? St. John of the Cross, who I referenced earlier, this 16th century Spanish mystic, he wrote these words, if a man wishes to be sure of the road he treads on, he must close his eyes and walk in the dark. He must close his eyes and walk in the dark. And so being people who are willing to close our eyes, walk in the dark and say, okay, things will be dark, things will be hopeless, things will have levels of despair. I won't know answers. I won't know what's coming next, but I can close my eyes and somehow in the midst of closing my eyes, even begin to become a person who learns how to clasp my hands in prayer and realize that that somehow is the way to kind of interrupt the chaos and the stress and the disorder that we're feeling. Um, That really when we clasp our hands in prayer, Uh, we begin an uprising against the disorder of the world. Um, But prayer is one of those those interesting things, because like I said, sometimes our prayers can just be extensions of nervous energy that's at work inside of us. The Apostle Paul, um, when he encouraged in the book of Philippians, he's writing this letter to to the early church in Philippi, and he's talking about pressing on to what's before them, right? He's encouraging them, in a sense, to be future people, right? God is doing a new thing in Christ, and so let's forget about what is behind us. Let's let's keep moving forward, striving for what's ahead in the future. And in the midst of this, though, he says these words, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Now, here's what I want us to stop and pause for a second. He says, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. I would venture to think that a lot of us, we were taught that prayer is petition, right? Prayer is really about just going to God and asking him what you'd like to see happen, what you'd like to see accomplished, what you would like to see in order to kind of calm the chaos, calm the despair, calm the hopelessness. But prayer and petition are two different things. Prayer ultimately, guys, prayer ultimately is is an opportunity to pull back and say, God, I'm just showing up. And I'm going to pull up a chair in this dark room, and I'm just going to be willing to sit in this dark room for a little bit. And I'm going to let go of the white knuckling I'm going to let go of kind of the the level of control that I'd like to to keep over this situation, and I'm just going to learn to sit and be present here and realize that ultimately being a, a, 
a future person, that God, I know that you are bringing a future that's a good future. And I know that you're bringing that future through the, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the renewal of all things that he's bringing about. But I got to realize you're doing that in your time and in your way. And you even, you even ask for my cooperation in this, for my participation in this. But I don't have to, I don't have to control it. Um, I don't have to dictate the way that that's going to happen. Right? And doesn't that allow us then? Um, I know for me, like, when I can come to that place, I don't have to go to the Cape Cod ships quite as much, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, you know, so whatever it is, that, that go-to thing that you go to, it allows us maybe to kind of just let go of that. And um, my hope for us, Mosaic, my hope for us is that as a church, we would be a people that in the midst of all of the disorder, all of the chaos, all, that's the, all the darkness that's around, that, that people would be able to look at our lives and say, wow, these people aren't looking to escape all of that, but they're actually firmly planted within it. But they, don't, they haven't allowed the disorder and the chaos and the darkness to kind of enter into here. There's something deeper at work here. Right? I mean, that people would look at Mosaic and say, man, I tell you what, yeah, they practice grace a little too much, you know? I don't know. They don't confront people enough. Um, they need to tell people how to behave a little bit more. They don't say what they'll say. But more than anything, that people, when they look at Mosaic, they would say, there is something different about these people. There, there's, there's an ability that they have to just kind of sit in the despair, the darkness, the hopelessness not having to control it, not having to fix it right away, but they're just present in it. And they're trusting that God is bringing a future in his time, in his way, and they're willing to participate with that. Um, Being people of kingdom prayer, right, that future kingdom, it invites us to be firmly in the middle of the disorder. And and this is different than... uh, hey, let's, let's pray and then let's go do something. No, this is, this is let's pray. Let's just keep showing up in prayer and releasing the situation, releasing, releasing it, and like staying in that place. Maybe for a long period of time. For a long period of time. Because sometimes it takes a long period of time before we can reach that place, as Carissa was reading for us from Romans 8, where we can truly say, yeah, Abba, Father, God, I, I can trust you. I can trust you in this. I don't have to control this. Like, it takes a long time to get there. Um, and the good news is this, that even this morning, if you're just covered in potato chip muck, um, this is the good news. Um, this isn't all dependent on you. It's not all dependent on, on, I, on myself. Um, Jesus is going to bring about the new future that's coming. So even if you're just covered in Cape Cod ships right now. Um, It's okay. Come as you are, right? Um, Because Jesus is going to work. And we're going to look at a passage this morning where, yeah, things are are getting dark. There's a a turn that's happening. So I want to invite us to Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Uh, In the gospel of Mark, um, there's some exciting things that have been taking place up to this point. Um, There are healings that are taking place simply because Jesus is on the scene. Um, people are being fed in abundance, even though there seems to be a scarcity of resources. 
Uh, and the disciples are even a part of this. It's not even that it's Jesus doing all of it himself. The disciples are actually a part of this. But, but right before Mark chapter 9, there's this instant where all of a sudden, um, Jesus starts talking about having to go to Jerusalem and die. And the disciples have a hard time with this. Whoa, what? Why does a death need to take place? Because this is just getting exciting. The crowds are getting ramped up. Like Rome's starting to get nervous. We're starting to be on the cutting edge of seeing some change. And Jesus, you're starting to talk about having to go and die? What, what does this mean? And so this is what I said at the beginning. Like the bad news is this, is that the longer you walk with Jesus, the darker things will get sometimes. It's just, it's the natural progression of walking with Jesus. It's going to happen because Jesus is going to walk us into the darkness, the despair, the hopelessness. But he's gone there before us. He's gone there before us. So everything's kind of changing in the midst of this moment. Let's just allow this um, narrative to be read over us, and then we'll share in a few things together. So when they, and uh, when it talks about they, it's talking about Peter, James, and John in Jesus. They had just gone up to a hillside, and Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. They're, they're seeing that, whoa, this Jesus really is God's anointed one. This Jesus is the Messiah. This Jesus is more than, than just a man. So when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I've asked them to do this, but they could not. Now, keep in mind here that up to this point, the disciples had had a lot of relative success in situations like this, right? They were driving out evil spirits. They were bringing healing to people. Um, they were feeding the masses with very little resources. So you're like, I, I've brought them, but they, they can't do it. Then there's Jesus now in verse 19. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? 
he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And so here we have a clear picture that the disciples walking with Jesus, but the longer they walk with Jesus, the more they see the chaos, the despair, the brokenness of the world. Um, And they're learning that to walk with Jesus, um, sometimes we're given even harder tasks that demand more courage and depth of soul. In fact, I would imagine that some of us in here right now, maybe even many of us, you're at a place in your life right now where you are being asked to live from a deeper part of your soul than you have ever been asked to live before. You are being invited to live with more courage and trust than you ever have before. Welcome to the life of following Jesus. That's not such a bad thing. It's hard. It's hard. But again, let's, let's allow that to just kind of normalize the situation a little bit. You and I are not the only ones to have been here. There are multitudes of Jesus followers who have, who have had to walk this path before us, right? Where the task is getting harder. The, the, the depth of soul that they're having to live from. The courage, the trust that they're having to, to see developed in their life. It's, it's, it's at a whole new level. It's at a whole new level. Um, and so first and foremost, let's just kind of remind ourselves that there's going to be seasons of walking with Jesus when rooms will grow really, really dark. Um, You know, certainly the disciples saw this. They're seeing this boy who is being thrown to the ground. This evil spirit is um, overpowering him. There's foaming at the mouth. There's gnashing of teeth, becoming rigid. Um, In some ways, you know, we we hear a story like this, and we're like, I don't know, I don't know. I've never really seen that happen, but yet, let's be honest, you know, we see a lot of gnashing of teeth. We see a lot of anger. We see a lot of just people being paralyzed, not knowing how to move right now, kind of just a rigid way of living. Um, These kind of situations are at work all around us and maybe even sometimes in us. There's, There's a not yet aspect to our Christian faith. God has done something in Christ Something has been done, but it's, but it's not fully yet taken effect. And so there's going to be seasons when we have to go into that room that's even darker. And it's good for us to remember that as a church, even, even in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, two of the creeds that the early church developed to talk about what do we believe in our faith, those creeds, when they talk about the life of Jesus... They use, one, they use one word in particular to describe the life of Jesus, and that is suffered under Pontius Pilate. So when they look at the whole of Jesus' life in those creeds, the word they choose to use is the word suffered. Suffered. And so this is who we claim to follow, this one who suffered throughout his life. But yet, going through the suffering, transformation, renewal happens. And so, guys, being followers of Jesus, it's going to happen. You're going to have to suffer more. And suffering really is just, it's, it's, I think the, the most clear definition of suffering is just not having control over a situation. Right? Not having control over yourself. 
not having control over something that's going around around you, not having control where you feel like you can fix something happening around you, like that really is suffering at the core, not being able to control it. And all you can do is walk with it. Um, secondly, these seasons are a time to pause and ask. These seasons are a time to pause and ask, what's going on in the depths of my soul other than faith? What's going on in the depths of my soul other than faith? In verse 19, um, Jesus even appears frustrated in this passage, right? Everyone's frustrated. Disciples are frustrated. Jesus is frustrated. The father of this boy is frustrated. And Jesus says, you know, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Um, Which at first when I read this passage and I sat with it, I'm kind of like, that's awfully pretentious of you, Jesus. Um, Thanks for the encouragement. You know what? Maybe I'll just take off and go hang out with my potato chips for a little while. Um, We'll come back to this. I'll I'll, I'll revisit that. Um, But I, I just kind of allowed those words to just kind of wash over me, and I hope that maybe you can allow them to wash over you too, is just um, you unbelieving generation. Kurt, you, you are so slow to believe sometimes that actually although you claim that God is bringing this glorious future in Christ, um, sometimes you're so slow to hold on to that to believe that actually good, that, that God in Christ can, can work a situation to bring about good that feels hopeless and filled with despair. So what's going on in the depths of, of our souls rather than faith? Um, is it striving after striving? Is it, is it just, you know, trying to step in and fix it once again and fix it once again and fix it once again? That's, that's generally my M.O., um, so it's just striving after striving. Uh, is, is it ego? You know, is it, I, I, don't, I don't want to have to kind of show this loss and this despair to everyone else around. I wish this weren't happening to me because I don't want others to perceive me in this kind of way. Um, whatever it is, what's going on in the depths of your soul? Um, and then these, these seasons are a time to ask, will I let go of the ladder rungs that I'm holding on to um, in order to free fall and land within God's love, in his care, in his timing? Right? Because when we're in those dark rooms, like, we just want out. We just want out. And, and sometimes we're just trying to climb out of them to do whatever we can do. Um, and we're holding on to whatever last little ladder rung we can hold on to. But are we willing to just let go of that and just trust that somehow we can let go and free fall into God's love and timing and care in this situation? And it's hard. Verse 24, the, the, the boy's father is being invited into this, right? The boy's father is being invited into this. And the boy's father says, I do believe Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome this. Um, and there's these seasons in our lives where we're living halfway between living fully in God's love, but also living kind of halfway between that and like my desired outcomes for a situation or what my hopes would be, what my plans are. Uh, and that's difficult. But there's a, there's a beauty in all of this, that Jesus appearing to be kind of frustrated himself and maybe even a little bit of 
of pretense at work, you know, you unbelieving generation. How long do I have to put up with you? Um, in some beautiful way, Jesus, Jesus begins to work in this situation, even in spite of this doubt in the inability of the disciples. And so these seasons have space for both faith and doubt. These seasons have space for both your prayers, but also just like the mess on your hands from the potato chip bag, right? Um, that's the beautiful thing. You know, like doubt is, not, doubt is not the absence of faith. Doubt and faith often go hand in hand together. I mean, it's, it's two sides to the same coin, right? They're constantly at work in our lives. Doubt and faith, doubt and faith. God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You know, and so these seasons kind of welcome us to just kind of, yeah, it's all right. It's okay to have that faith and doubt kind of coexisting at the same time. Um, Because ultimately then these seasons are brought to completion by Jesus' faithfulness. And that's the good news. Notice what Jesus does here. Jesus, Jesus ultimately is the one who casts out this evil spirit. Jesus is ultimately the one who grabs this boy by the hand, right? Who brings a, an end to all of this disorder and chaos that's around. And the good news is that in spite of our faithfulness or lack of it, Jesus will complete what he is going to complete. And so the future, the good future that Jesus is going to bring to us it's coming, guys. We have the opportunity to participate with it now. But even if we don't, even if we're struggling, even if we're wrestling, even if we're doubting, Jesus is going to bring it. He's going to bring it. Um, these seasons are a time for kingdom prayer. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do anything about this? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And remember what I said, prayer ultimately begins with just showing up without the petition list first. Prayer is ultimately an act of submission and just showing up and saying, I am I'm releasing control of this. I am I'm saying that it's okay for me to just sit in this dark room for a little while. And Jesus, I'm giving you permission to even walk me to a darker place if that's what you need to do. And Jesus, I know that you welcome both my faith and my doubt. And by being in that place, that's, that's where prayer really begins. Right? Then prayer takes on a whole new level of meaning rather than sometimes just being an extension of our own nervous energies that are at work. Prayer is really an act of showing up and saying, God, the future is yours. Bring it in the way that you're going to bring it. Um, help me to just sit and be present in this. Help me to relinquish control. Um, help me to allow something pe- to be developed in the depth of my soul that needs to be developed. And, and what a joy it is then to actually perhaps be a part of something happening in the world where people look at our lives and say, there's something at work here in these people that I don't see in other places, right? And then, like, even, 
Peter, one of the disciples, early apostles of the church, he talked about, hey, then be ready in season and out season. When people, when people come to you and ask you for the hope that's in you, be ready to give them an answer. How awesome would that would be that people would actually be willing to come to us and say, man, there's like a level of hope in you. How do you do this? Where does this come from? You know, that boom, there's opportunities. There's opportunities to just share. Um, kingdom prayer, right? Showing up, relinquishing control, being present. God, this is yours. This is your situation. I'm going to stay in this for a while. And by staying in it for a while, maybe eventually I'll begin to see what you want to do. In 2010, um, as we begin to, to wrap up, let me share this quick story. In 2010, in the city of Sacramento, um, Detroit Boulevard, um, crime-ridden, gang-ridden, all kinds of um, sexual assaults that were going on in this area. And there was um, a group of about eight Jesus followers who this was kind of their home turf. And things were growing darker um, things were, you know, just coming to whole new levels of despair. And this group of, of eight people um, eventually came to this place where they said, we, we give up. Like, we don't know what to do. And um, for about a three-year time period, these eight people began to simply just walk the streets of Detroit Boulevard. And they would say, God, we, we relinquish control of anything that we can do here. This is yours you love this street. You love these people. We feel completely hopeless and helpless. We don't know what to do. Um, and for three years, faithfully, they just walked these streets. And um, after a few years then, um, they began to kind of experience this movement where some other people kind of started joining them in the process. Um, and in the midst of all of that, in 2013, Detroit City Church um, was established right there on Detroit Boulevard. And in that same year, the Sacramento Bee, which was the city's um, main newspaper, um, did this uh, main full-page report on how crime, homicides, sexual assaults, drug activity had drastically been transformed, drastically been reduced. Um, and Detroit City Church was just simply there, planted firmly in the middle of it. Not trying to control it, not trying to fix it, just saying, God, this is yours. You love this place. What does it mean for us to, to be a people who are just here? Here. Um, so where's your Detroit Boulevard right now? Chances are you have a Detroit Boulevard that's going right through the middle of your soul, and it's a mess. Chances are you have a Detroit Boulevard happening right near you, maybe in your home. Um, in your workplace, in your school, in a relationship, uh, in a financial situation, whatever it is, there's a Detroit Boulevard that is very near to you. Um, certainly there's a Detroit Boulevard probably somewhere either in your neighborhood or not far from your neighborhood, and certainly there's Detroit Boulevards all over our world. Um, but man, I hope for us, Mosaic, is that um, we would be willing to be people who allow Jesus to walk us right into Detroit Boulevard. And that we would maybe share that with a few other people and that we would be people who would just be right there and invite others to just be people of kingdom prayer with us. God, we're not going to try to fix this. We're not going to try to control it. But we're just going to simply show up 
and realize that you are doing something in the depth of our soul that needs to be done. Um, so that's where we're going to begin to head as a church. Things are going to get darker, right? Jesus now is going to begin to lead his disciples toward this journey of death and loss and hopelessness and despair. Um, and in the midst of that, Jesus welcomes our filthy, dirty, potato chip-covered hands and says, I love you right there in that place. Just, you know, I love you. Give me the time. I'm bringing a future. I'm bringing a new future. I'm doing a new thing. Give me time to bring it. Give me time to work it out. You know, participate with me in this. And so that's really um, what the act of coming to these tables all is all about on a Sunday morning is just bringing our greasy, covered in crumbs, hands that we've been, you know, white knuckling things, trying to control things, striving upon striving, saying, Jesus, we release this to you. We release it to you. And we look forward to what you are going to bring to us. Uh, so I want to invite Keith um, to come back forward. And as Keith um, prepares to uh, lead us in this last song, let me, let me pray for us, Mosaic. And... Um, yeah, let's allow this to be a time where Jesus meets us. God, thank you for uh, this Lincoln High School cafeteria that um, becomes an incredibly holy place um, as we just become aware that you are already here and you are inviting us to come and to rest and to be willing to pull up a chair in the midst of our Detroit Boulevard and look to you. And God, some of us are, are messy uh, because that Detroit Boulevard has made us messy. And some of us are all over the place. Uh, but you love us right there in that place. You welcome our doubts along with maybe even just the the little bit of faith or the lot of faith that we have, whatever it is. God, we believe. We believe, but help us in our unbelief. And God, thank you that um, just as Jesus ultimately brought um, the healing that was needed in this gospel narrative in Mark, Jesus will also bring the healing and the renewal to all of the Detroit boulevards that we are walking and experiencing now. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. It's good to be together, Mosaic. And as you move forward into these coming weeks, um, may you allow yourself uh, to be led by Jesus to that new place, maybe that, that dark room. Um, but realize that there is something that's going to be accomplished there. Typically throughout the season of Lent, um, Sundays are actually kind of these, these pauses in the midst of kind of just the, the fasting, the embracing our humanness, our limitations. And Sundays are meant to be these little mini feast days um, in the midst of that. So we hope that today in some way you can feast in some small way um, with a loved one, a group of loved ones, whatever that looks like, you know, some little favorite food item, beverage, some activity that, that fills your soul. Just go and allow that to fill your soul. Jesus loves to use those earthly things to bless us. 
So look for that opportunity today, and we invite you back um, next Sunday. And uh, look forward to this journey that we're going to continue on together. Have a great day, Mosaic.